on. Okay. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him which owed him ten thousand talents. But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of the servant was moved with compassion, and loosed him, and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him, and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet, and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison, till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desiredest me. Shouldn't not thou also have compassion on thy fellow servant, even if, as I had pity on thee? And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors, till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one his brother their trespasses. Lord God, forgive me, Lord, for not appreciating your word, uh, but for convicting me of its awesomeness and the power therein. Lord, it is um, our way unto salvation, what you use to turn us to you. So thank you, Lord, for your word. It is so awesome. Thank you so much, Lord Jesus, for having compassion on us for forgiving us. Help us, Lord, we pray to forgive and have compassion on one another, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Our message today comes again from author David Platt, his Christ-centered exposition commentary, Exalting Jesus in Matthew. God calls us in today's passage, Matthew 18, 21, 35, to forgive one another. This is the last exhortation for the church in Matthew chapter 18. The point of the parable of the unforgiving servant is fairly self-explanatory, and it relates to Jesus' discussion in the previous section. Although the 
conversation has moved on from church discipline, the way in which we treat one another's sin is still the issue at hand. In those days, it was common among rabbis to encourage people to forgive a brother for repeated sin up to three times, after which there would be no more forgiveness. So Peter, thinking he had a really big heart, asked Jesus how often he should forgive his brother, possibly even seven times. Jesus responds by saying, 70 times 7. Okay, verse 22. This is unlimited forgiveness. This is the gospel, you guys. Unlimited forgiveness. This is what God offers us when we sincerely repent and turn to Jesus. Every time. Every time. When somebody sincerely repents and turns to Jesus, forgiveness is offered every time. Unlimited forgiveness. It's easy to hold a grudge and harbor hate and unforgiveness towards others. But God, Jesus, calls us to be holy like He is. This is the hard stuff, right? Through Jesus, to have unlimited forgiveness towards one another. Okay? Then, in what can only be labeled an extreme illustration, Jesus tells the story of a man who owed upwards of what today could be labeled millions, if not more than a billion dollars. Okay? Clearly an amount of money that this servant could never repay to the king. 10,000 talents, it says in the King James. An amount that this servant could never repay to the king. And yet the king, out of sheer compassion for the servant, forgave the entire debt. There are a number of takeaways from this parable. In Christ, we have received extravagant grace. In Christ, we have received extravagant grace. This is what we were talking about, the whole teaching in the Westminster. Extravagant grace. To use the analogy of the debt this servant owed, there is no price tag that you or I could put on our sinfulness before an infinitely holy God. There is no price tag that you or I could ever put on our sinfulness before an infinite holy God, perfect in everything. When you and I think, well, I haven't sinned as much as this person or that person. We show that we have no clue as to the extent of our own sin. Our debt is deep, infinitely deep, but Christ has paid it. Out of sheer compassion, the Father sent His Son to endure the wrath that you and I deserve. And now we are free from sin's penalty. 
free not only as a servant, but as a son. Amen? Because we have received extravagant grace in Christ as Christians, we now extend extravagant grace. How harsh for this servant who was forgiven a large fortune to go to a man who owed him a tiny fraction of that amount, right, a hundred pence, and put him in prison for failure to pay. That's outlandish. He was forgiven all of this, right? And then he put someone in prison for, for not paying a little. Yet for a Christian, not to forgive is to do the same exact thing. The Bible is not saying that it is easy to forgive or that it's natural to forgive. However, it is Christian to forgive. In fact, the Christian has no other option. We forgive not because we have to, but because in love we are compelled to. Okay, it's not natural for us to forgive, but it's a command of God. We forgive not because we have to, but because in love we are compelled to. Only Jesus can enable the kind of forgiving heart this passage calls for. Only Jesus can do this. Gratefully, he reminds us of the extravagant compassion he has shown to us as the least deserving sinners. And by his grace, he enables us to extend the same extravagant compassion to those whom we would label as the least deserving. Right? We all have people in our lives that we label that the least deserving. Okay? But this extravagant compassion that Jesus has had on us, he wants us to have on others. Right? This kind of forgiveness should characterize the church. This is why we have to confess. So we're convicted by God and His Word, right? We have godly sorrow over our lack of unforgiveness. So we repent, right? We turn from that sin of unforgiveness and we turn to Jesus and receive His grace to forgive one another. So how shall we respond to what we've learned from the Lord's teaching us here in Matthew chapter 18? There are a number of ways to respond to a text like Matthew chapter 18. As a part of a local church, we must care for every individual member. This is a challenge for all churches and larger churches face some especially thorny questions in this regard. Nevertheless, this is a challenge we must take up. One way to begin is by elevating church membership. 
being a member of a local church is not very important to most professing Christians today. Church hopping and shopping are common in much of evangelicalism as people are wary of committing themselves to a church. If this passage teaches us anything, it teaches us that it is important for every Christian to be committed to a church. By doing so, we say to the church body, if you wander from the Lord, I am coming after you. And if I wander from the Lord, I want you to come after me. This is the kind of care that Jesus calls us to, right? This is true love, right? Uh, I was listening to the book of Numbers this week, right? That's the whole book. That's a numbering of the members of the congregation, God's people, right? Church membership, it's right there, the book of Numbers. How about in what we've been studying, the parable of the lost sheep? Right? That's a numbering of the congregation. There were a hundred sheep. One was lost. Right? Church membership. So that we can know when a sheep, a child of God, has gone astray. Our submission and commitment to God's local church is a reflection of our submission and commitment to God. Church membership, this is the kind of care Jesus calls us to. Matthew 18 should also lead us to respond on a more personal level. Here are some helpful questions for application. As Christians, are you causing, leading, or enabling a brother or sister to sin? Right? Are we causing, leading, or enabling a brother or sister to sin? Right? Are we hindering the belief of any God's children? Are we a stumbling block to our children? Right? Matthew 18, verses 6 through 10. Or are we loving them enough to say, Hey, you're outside of God's bounds. Are we guarding, protecting, and nurturing our own personal holiness? Are we guarding, protecting, and nurturing our own personal holiness? How can you more clearly express the love of the Father to the church around you? Right? As Christians... How can you more clearly express the love of the Father to the church around you, right? Commit to the local church. Support it. Encourage it. Four, is there anyone you need to humbly confront concerning sin for their good, right? For their good and the Father's glory and for the health of the church? Is there anyone you need to humbly confront concerning sin for their good and for the Father's glory and for the health of the church? And number five, are you harboring any bitterness or unforgiveness towards someone else? Are you harboring any bitterness or unforgiveness towards someone else? Right? 
take it to Jesus, be cleansed, love God, love your neighbor, confess it. That book right there is so good, How to Be Free from Bitterness. These are not easy questions to deal with in our lives. And these are not easy issues to deal with in the church. It would be easier, or so we think, just to sit back and ignore these questions. That's the tact that many churches have taken today. But as followers of Christ, we don't have the option of ignoring these issues. Why not? Because of how we have been loved. Right? We can't ignore these issues. Why? Because of how we've been loved. The Father has protected us, pursued us, restored us, and forgiven us. How then can we not pursue others as individuals and as churches with this kind of love? Obedience is not an option when it comes to church discipline, and we shouldn't want it to be. It's not an option, and we shouldn't want it to be. This is a command from God. May the love of the Father through Jesus Christ compel the love of His children in the church. May the love of the Father through Christ Jesus compel the love of His children in the church. Let's pray.